listening to Playback, a Variety podcast. I'm your host, Variety Awards editor Chris Tapley. We took a few weeks off in the wake of this year's monumental Oscars outcome, and I don't think that's a hyperbolic thing to say. It was quite a moment, one that I'm sure we'll be unpacking more and more as we gear up for another award season in the fall. But for now, we've got the summer movie season ahead of us. It more or less kicks off today with Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, which is you know, fun if you enjoyed the first one. I'm sure you'll dig this one. And, uh, you know, speaking of which, it seems like it's going to be a typically franchise-heavy summer. There's another Spider-Man, another Transformers, another Pirates of the Caribbean, Wonder Woman. All of the IPs are out in force. All of the stuff that does a really good job of selling toys and book bags and whatnot, as I like to say. I'll probably be sitting in a theater watching the new Alien film as you listen to this. And, uh, you know, you're not limited to that. For something entirely different, there's a, a ghost story from David Lowry, a new film with Casey Affleck that's fantastic. Edgar Wright has a new film that everyone's loving, Baby Driver. And a big Sundance hit, The Big Sick, from Kumail Nanjani from uh, Silicon Valley. And my guest today has a new film as well. His name's Guy Ritchie, and he's sitting right here. Sir, thank you for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. This film's called King Arthur, Legend of the Sword with Charlie Hunnam and Jude Law. Uh, it's interesting, too, to me, because I mentioned all of those brands a moment ago, and King Arthur is kind of the original brand in some ways. I mean, there's been, like, countless movies and, and TV shows, and Disney even took a crack at it, and uh, it's a, a well-known legend, you know. So my question is, I'm curious, knowing that it was such well-worn material, what excited you about coming in and telling a King Arthur story of your own? I think the challenge as much as anything else, it didn't occur to me that it was a a dusty or unexciting title. Um, I think I liked the idea. I was inspired by the Borman movie Excalibur. Mm. I don't think there's been as many incarnations as you think, actually, about uh, the legend of King Arthur. But nevertheless, it seems like a familiar moniker. Mm -hmm. and to me I fancied the challenge of a bit like Sherlock Holmes thought oh I'm familiar with that I think I could do something with that and I was familiar and excited by all many components in the Arthurian legend and it was the challenge can I go into the epic fantasy genre and create something that feels different and fresh um and that was my mandate um to somehow create a new voice in that in that genre yeah it's a, it's interesting because i was a little surprised and although i shouldn't have been because you've never been one to like anonymously direct your films there's a definitive signature to your work and so you know this for lack of a better description i mean it kind of it's like a bloke mobster movie in the King Arthur world and uh, very much your aesthetic and so I'm curious if like was there ever a moment where you thought this aesthetic that you wanted to apply your trademark that it might not fit the material yes is the answer to that that was my principal concern is that could I would it translate my vision if you will or would, would it congest the experience um 
and my that was my principal concern so two weeks into filming your ass tends to go a bit where you start thinking and it's on every movie i've ever made and i think it's a sort of necessary and healthy but nevertheless an unpleasant experience to go for for two weeks you doubt yourself enormously um and then somehow you rise out the ashes of that and the film then reveals itself and my job is to steer the head of that tiger and to find a, a a tone and then try and be consistent with that tone and then relax and enjoy it and the more you sort of relax and enjoy it then the more that voice can make itself clear mm. um so as we sort of thundered along i felt as though it had its own identity that felt fresh mm. um and i became more and more confident with it if you will yeah is it i mean you're you're very well taken care of and set up over at warner brothers but still did was this a vision you had to fight for was there anyone that felt like i oh, would like this to maybe be a little more by the book not really i mean uh i was saying this earlier i've never really had a fight with the studio because it seems pointless there are so many things that can be answered just asking 500 people if you stick it in front of an audience yeah. so a certain point i wanted to not make my signature so obvious on on the vision if you will mm. i quite fancied becoming more anonymous mm. but as soon as we stuck it in front of a, a room for the 500 people people wanted more of that that signature and people that they were unfamiliar with who i was but they went oh that stuff we really like that stuff can we have more of that stuff and that was the stuff that spoke to them so i mean i had my arsenal full of all those sort of shenanigans which i'd uh i'd filmed anyway and i truncated the three and a half hour movie down to two hours um so me and the studio were all on the same page because it was obvious what people wanted um and i sort of needed people to confirm that that's what they wanted mm. um so we were all on board what do you think about just the test screening process in general? Is that something that you I'm not opposed to it actually. Yeah. Um, I would, I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't do it as much as people do do it. Uh, it's also expensive to do it too, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and it's unnecessary to do it that much. I understand why some people are opposed to it. Sometimes it's a good way of solving an argument and being sure about what you're doing is the right thing to do. I know this, you know, I put some stock in it, but mm -hmm. not a terrible amount. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a painful thing for you or anything. It's certainly no, painful not. for many. Well, I tell you what, I'd rather do it yeah. then than now. Yeah. You, I want to be found out before I'm found out. Right, right. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but the opening scene of this film is like positively epic. And it kind of hints at, I mean, it's like Lord of the Rings epic. And it hints at this overall universe, really, that uh, makes you feel like... There's a lot of different ways you could go in telling stories in this world. So just out of curiosity, I mean, you've certainly bounced around within a franchise before with the Sherlock Holmes films. Is this a world you want to come back to? Would you want to tell more stories in King Arthur? I mean, you set it up, certainly. Yeah, I mean, there, I don't think there's a film I've made that I never wanted to come back and make another one. Um, this particularly, in part because it's an enormous world, and you put a lot of effort into creating these worlds, mm -hmm. and that's really the lion's share of the effort is creating the world and i thought this movie would take a year and a half and here i am three years later so after you put that much effort in you go oh, i'll go back again mm -hmm. i love charlie charlie hunnam was a 
absolute pleasure to work with um would not be cautious about jumping back into the lion's den with him the process of making movies i adore mm-hmm. and uh in particular this one great fun creatively challenging um yeah i would i would go back what uh what do you think made it go from one and a half years to three years there were a, in light of what you were saying earlier you are in such a congested market trying to get a weekend in this market an unbranded product because it's in the in the end it is sure. and arguably the brand can sometimes hurt, hurt you um in this case but we had to wait a year for one for the right weekend that wasn't didn't have anyone else on it you got guardians the week before so mm-hmm. it's still quite an unpleasant um position to take but a year ago there were no positions mm-hmm. um and we came a bit unstuck on man from uncle end of the summer a couple of years ago um which i don't think was we went out the right time mm-hmm. um and you're you're cautious about when you come out you know these things cost money to make and you need to make your money back so we had to wait a year so in that year I tinkered around with the visual effects for another year um, which in obviously in hindsight is a year's worth of extra visual effects and I'll tell you that makes a difference mm-hmm. it's funny what people put up with you know <laughs> uh, so we we did that and that was really it I suppose I sort of wrapped this well, you, you'll, you'll rinse it out as long as you can mm-hmm. until you know when your date is you'll, you'll leave the cut loose yeah. um, so you can go in and tinker you go away come back go away come back well why lock it until you know you have to lock it right do you uh get yourself involved deeply at all just with visual marketing posters things like that like how, how much do you get involved in that kind of stuff quite a lot yeah. they're very good the studio you know coming to you getting the, their input it's a very much a two-way street mm-hmm. they're they're very they're pros mm-hmm. you know and they they are interested in the filmmaker's version and i've never witnessed anything to contradict that Mm -hmm. they're sympathetic to filmmakers there's warner brothers in particular and so they do everything they do they sort of flag past you and every now but the thing is is that if that's what you do day in day out it's hard to remain fresh Mm -hmm. you remain creative but to actually create something where it's an interesting campaign it's very hard to do yeah I saw a spot for this last night which Comedy Central cobbled up uh, it's quite funny is it Comedy Central what's it called it's called it's called something isn't it Ivan can you remember what it's called it's called something anyway <laughs> and it's Jude Law and Charlie Hunnam taking mm-hmm. the mickey out of one another mm-hmm. saying um, you know King Arthur was just and fair king and Charlie Hunnam says you know it causes some form of contradiction mm-hmm. anyway so they contradict each other all the way through it and I've got to tell you it's a nice tone mm-hmm. and tone is everything because if you get the tone of that you get the tone of the movie right. and in a way do I care about 300, 300 fair elephants in a trailer I'm not sure if I do right. what I care more about is what's the tonality of the people that made the movie mm-hmm. and if I can if that's on my frequency they're on my frequency I'll go and see it because I get the tone yeah so it's a combination I suppose of 
I want to see some escapism. I want to launch myself into a world that's fantastic Mm -hmm. in whatever that means to you. And within that, what was it? What was it? What was it called? Throne Shade. Throne Shade. Throne Shade. Anyway, (laughs) it's funny. So within that, if you can dial in to uh, the tone, then you go, right. Yeah. they got, they got a few quid, they spent a bit of money, <laughs> throwing a foot elephant, and they're going to be, that's the tone. Right. Right? And to juxtaposition those tones, because it's a big fantasy thing, right? Yeah. And then you've got that sort of cheeky, chappy nonsense going on on the side. Uh-huh. It feels like a fresh tone, that, to me. Um, and they, sort of, they captured that in that little spot, which must have cost all of 200 bucks, by the way. <laughs> right. Interesting. Well, yeah, and just regarding tone, also identity. I mean, the identity of the film, getting that across in the visuals is always a challenge for these departments. And uh, I felt like in the posters and stuff for this one, you can see this is this is going to be a Guy Ritchie, King Arthur film. You know, like it, you feel that, that identity in these character posters and things like that. So that's why I ask, like, what kind of uh, involvement you have, you know. Yeah, they're, they're, they're smart, those guys. It's interesting to hear you say because I'm too – I can't be objective now. <laughs> sure. Well, regarding, you know, just – the, the idea of superhero movies uh, I mean you know you're like I said you're set up at Warner Brothers and I mean I'm just guessing that maybe they've come to you for some of these titles in the past that they're putting out there in the DC universe and stuff like that but what I'm curious about is you you know you maintain your own voice uh, throughout your career and so how do you feel about navigating that modern climate of all of these superhero movies? Do you feel like you might need to play that game at some point? Or like, how do you feel about it? It's a good question, actually. And if I find a tone that I go, oh, I like that, um, I quite fancy doing Suicide Squad 2 mm-hmm. because I thought I could do a good job with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm up for I can't do it because I'm doing something else Mm -hmm. but I'm not I'm a guy that likes to work so I'm going to work and I'll work with whatever I can to make it work I am not an absolutist about what a genre is so I'm, I'm not a no man I'm a yes man Mm-hmm. when it comes to making something manifest that said i just want it to be interesting mm-hmm. i want it to feel fresh i want it to feel different i want it to feel something that is worth me taking my 15 dollars sojourn to the cinema and go oh that was worth it mm-hmm. that's it that's it maybe suicide squad three is that it, comes is, around. has someone got to <laughs> I don't think they've announced anybody yet, no. actually. So. No, but I felt as I could really do something with that. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Uh, David Ayer, do you, are you guys friends at all? Do you know each other? Um, Speaking of? Not really. No? Uh, Aladdin. We talked about Aladdin briefly. Um, I just wanted to venture out here a little bit. Aladdin's one of my favorite of the Disney animated films. But uh, it's also one that, from its release, was criticized for just, like, disparaging stereotypes of Arabs. And and, and we're in a very sensitive climate to that kind of thing right now. So I'm just curious if that's something that you've got your eye on at all with this project. No. No? No, because I find bigotry 
in all of its guises and the PC world often wears the biggest bigot's hat or wears it the most proudly unaware of the hat that they're wearing decency is decency humanity is humanity and i think the the film will dictate exactly what the tone is supposed to be and who's supposed to be in it you just don't want to feel like you're muscled into it because Mm -hmm. you're bullied into it it will be what it will be right because it should be what it should be it will have its own authentic voice and you don't want that voice being contaminated by PC Army. Mm-hmm. How's that experience so far? I mean, these guys at Disney, they're like printing money by uh, kind of going back to the well and reimagining their properties. I mean, I, some people feel like it's unoriginal. I feel like if you know that you're going to put something out there and it's going to probably make a billion dollars and you own the property to begin with, why would you not? do that but uh you know and i love i, I love, think there's more to it than that though. i'm sure there is yeah, yeah. And, I, and i love jungle book and i i really liked beauty and the beast and i'm very curious what you're going to do with this because it's not something that i would imagine you would be interested in doing frankly it doesn't immediately sound like something that guy Ritchie would do but i have what, what, i have five kids of course right yeah. i know more about kids movies than i do about any other movies and in turn i know more about disney movies than any other <laughs> brand of movies so it's a it's a it's a wheelhouse of which I'm well familiar. Yeah. And I'm impressed with the quality of children's product. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily this is a children's product. It's early in the days for me to be able to articulate eloquently exactly what direction I'm going in. What I do find exciting is it's a musical. They're fantastic people to work with. Um going round there is like going into how I imagine sort of Google was five years ago. It's a load of very excited people that are very <laughs> enthusiastic. And to me, it feels like product in terms of a creative expression is, is primary. Mm-hmm. They're creative. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're successful is secondary. Mm-hmm. What is primary is, and this is my experience in the film business in general, I'm always amazed by the lack of twats I meet in this game. Um, Ivan, who's a colleague of mine who's sitting next to uh, next to me over there, um, he and I talk about this endlessly. How often do we meet someone that we dislike mm-hmm. in this game? I'll tell you, it's a very short list. <laughs> I'm not even sure if there's anyone on that list. Hmm. In the 20 years I've been in this game, and in the studio game for the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, there's no one, I'll tell you. Yeah. There's no one. There's the lion's share of people that are in this game. Money contaminates it and money's the water. But you, you, know, you and I are men of the world. We understand why it's a necessary component. Mm-hmm. But the lion's share of people that are in this business are in it mm-hmm. because it's fun and it's creative. And we were around there actually this morning. The, uh, the enthusiasm... It's palpable. Yeah. I like that environment. Yeah, and, and certainly not to diminish it with the talk of the money. I mean, th- these movies are pushing the medium. Uh, Jungle Book obviously pushed the medium considerably. Uh, Beauty and the Beast, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on with effects and, and sets and stuff in that film. Uh, what is there anything that you have your eye on, say it's early days, but, you know, to really push this medium with what you're going to do in Aladdin? Anything? Too, too early. Too early. Yeah, it is. It's too early. Uh, it's just... 
I have to tell you, I'm very excited by it. You know, and we took this on before Beauty, mm-hmm. and Beauty was like a, a beast, <laughs> um, and no one could have anticipated that. I suppose um, it's just exciting. And the rumor mill has Will Smith's name going around. I mean, can you? Speak I have to, to tell it? you, I'm a big fan of Will Smith. Yeah, I am a big fan of Will Smith. I'm a big fan of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's inspiring when things are unpredictable. I think, judging by your intro there, you probably feel the same way. It's nice if the industry shook up a bit and it feels a bit paint by numbers mm-hmm. at times. But it is what it is, and I'm interested in a lot of it. Yeah. I've got a one-year-old at home, actually. I've uh, been obsessive-compulsively collecting the uh, Disney Blu-rays. Do you have a favorite of the lineage of animated titles? Well, I, I'm a, I'm, oh, well it's quite long, actually. Yeah. And the, the films that I've been most impressed by in the last 10 years are probably kids' movies. I'm harking back a long way, but I did think Incredibles was rather spectacular. Have you mm. seen Moana? Yeah. Okay, I think Moana's a very impressive bit of filmmaking. And... My kids, no, and I've got three young ones. My five-year-old boy, who's like a real boy, knows five of those songs <laughs> off by heart. They're catchy. They're catchy and they're good. <laughs> they're good. I just like to be surprised and impressed by people's work. Yeah. And I am. And then last thing here, we were about, a, I guess, a year away from Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels being 20 years old, if you can believe that uh, I remember seeing that when I was uh, it was like a Charlotte North Carolina art house called the Manor I don't know if it's still there shout out to Charlotte but uh, it was it was a lightning bolt I mean it was clear that there was this new vibrant voice on the scene and it was right at the end of uh, you know an explosion of 90s independent filmmaking uh, just what do you recall of that time and kind of a cheesy question but if, if you went back and spoke to your 20 year younger self uh, what kind of advice might you have for that guy? I think everyone's on their own journey, so I'll deal with that in a second because that's an, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, but looking back now, doesn't that feel like an ex- exciting period in cinema? Very. Yeah. And I'm not sure it's been replicated since. Mm-hmm. It feels like we've moved in a different direction. Um, and it doesn't feel as volatile as it did back then. There was a volatility in filmmaking where all of a sudden a filmmaker would just come out from nowhere, left field, and go, how about some of that? Mm -hmm. And you felt it. There was, again, a palpable aggression Mm -hmm. to the expression. And it was a very exciting time for filmmakers. Yeah. I went to film school in 1999, so it was like a very exciting time to be getting involved in all of that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, films became sort of interesting about sort of when it was on 92 or 94 or 95 mm-hmm. or something. Tarantino sort of led a charge. Mm-hmm. And they just followed lots of fresh voices. Can you remember like, uh, oh, I can't remember it. It was, it, was a, it was a brilliant movie. Help me out here. They made two of them. Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Mm-hmm. When Get Shorty. Yeah. yeah, it's such a, Get Shorty was such a, impressive film yeah and it felt so wild and charming it had such an original spirit to it but there were so many films at that time that Mm -hmm. had such an original spirit to it 
they we're in a different period, mm-hmm. um, aren't we? Yeah. Now, how about if you went back in time and spoke to twenty-year younger guy Richie? Yeah, yeah. I think you have. To, there's just no. I mean, often. It, are you in this game because you want to fill your pockets full of dough, <laughs> or are you in this game because you want to be stimulated? By creative challenges and you want to break new ground or whatever it is and I think it's all of the above mm-hmm. because if you don't keep your if your pockets flush nothing happens mm-hmm. if you get if your pockets become too flush nothing happens so there's this ongoing battle between money and creativity comfort and creativity that discomfort creates great and interesting things and now if I was replaying it I could probably have played my cards more efficiently if I wanted to make more money Um, but I don't think now I would have I would like that I'd, Mm -hmm. I'd play them the way that you play them because it's a bigger picture the whole thing is a bigger picture Mm -hmm. and you've got to roll over to the fact that it's a bigger picture and keep working and the older I get by the way I have seen people that keep working and they should stop working Mm -hmm. or at least for a bit Mm -hmm. clearly it's it's a compulsion and that someone needs to wake them up out of that little hypnosis what is it it's a spell of some description and just because they're better than that so some people need to slow down and some people need to speed up mm-hmm. but you, as you grow your movies grow and your interests change but I do like a man that keeps I do like a chef that get, keeps going back in the kitchen mm-hmm. it's easy to stay out of the kitchen and wait for the perfect project I would rather take the imperfect project and fashion it into something that is exhilarating in my I mean I had te- I've got to tell you I like my movies I go like I pretty much forget that I made the movies after I've made it and I end up watching them on TV and you know I'm sitting there having a beer and what I got my feet up and one of my movies comes on and I drift out go for a pee come back and then oh well, that's fun and then I'm in for like 15 minutes and I have absolutely no recollection that I had anything to do with it at all mm-hmm. And if someone walked in and go, what you watch your own movies for, guy? I go, oh, did I make it? <laughs> um, I'm, not, I'm not sure where I'm going with that. But anyway, that's, uh, you know. I got you. Do you want to scale back at all? You've been working on a bigger canvas lately with some of these films. Do you want to scale back and go smaller like in the old days? I fancy days? a bit of TV. Yeah? Yeah, I do. I'm writing a series at the moment, um, which I'm enjoying enormously. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of reminiscent of my earlier uh, career. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really enjoying that. I'm sure people would like to know, actually, if if we will go to Sherlock Holmes 3. Yeah, I I mean, like I say, there isn't a movie that I've made that I didn't want to make a sequel to. So I think if the stars align, then we'll go back to work. But I tell you, it's quite... You, you try and align them stars. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. Indeed. Well, uh, again, the movie is King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. It is May 14th. 
May 12th. That's why I looked over and asked. May 12th. May 12th. But you can see it on the 14th, too, if you want. <laughs> uh, go check it out. And Guy Ritchie, thanks for coming on my show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Why is the water dropped? Why does the sword reveal itself now? As your power increases, so do the forces that will oppose you. The born desire to achieve it. That's what all the fuss is about. Don't worry. You'll soon understand what all the fuss is about. Are you scared? I think I can manage. You should be scared. Whatever it takes to hunt him down. If I go down, you follow him. If he goes down, you follow me. You want him to think big? Give him something big to think about. You wanted the prophecy. This is your prophecy. The man who pulled sword from stone. Behold, your born king.